0: So John 16, 25. He's going to say this phrase twice. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. And now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And so Jesus answered them, Do you believe? No. Behold, the hour is coming indeed. It has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. So I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, and in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. You may be seated, kids. We'll see you guys later. Good morning. This is such good news today that we will look at here in John chapter 16. You know, there are a variety of ways that we see that there, there is evidence in regard to the truth of Scripture and the validity that this is God's word to us. One of those for me that may be a little bit more simpler is the fact that the Bible portrays those that do deeply love God as also those that wrestle with faith at times. That the heroes of our faith and those that who began to walk with Christ in the early days, they were not perfect people. They were imperfect, wrestled with matters of faith and and so I love that, that there's a rawness to the Bible and not such a, a purity to the people that are there that everybody just seems perfect. Because I don't know about you, well some of y'all are perfect, I know you, but I know that I am not. And, and if it was dependent upon us being able to carry this through, we would be hopeless. But we are hopeful today because there was one who did live this life and die in our place And because our faith rests in Him, we have great hope today. So there's a wonder in how the church was birthed in regard to the people that are there. So Jesus did not choose the most powerful, the most educated, the most gifted, and the most skilled religious leaders. He chose common men to be the first followers. They themselves found themselves often not understanding even some of the things that Jesus was telling them. They struggled with some of the phrases and some of the teaching. But after Pentecost, they got it. And people marveled. As a matter of fact, they were standing before the powerful one day in Acts chapter 4. And they looked at the men and and probably did one of these. We probably all have done it. We look at somebody and you go, hmm, turn the head. And they looked at these guys going, "How, how do these men have such authority and such power and such prominence that is connected to their life, not in the status of how the world gives prominence. And so they said this of them, Acts four thirteen and 14. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that these are uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And here's what they recognized. Here's what makes these men different than anybody we've ever met. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. You know, being with Jesus makes all the difference in every single aspect of our lives. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So common, ordinary people. You don't have to be the most educated to be used of God and to know God and to have deep, great boldness for God. The 12 were not this. They were common to ordinary people. So we will encounter today the last words that Jesus wants to leave with the 11 before everything just begins to crumble. Where he is arrested and betrayed by Jesus. So these words are very important, incredibly important for us. So are you all ready? Got your ears ready? Is your heart ready? Is your pen Ready? Marks, your second time to hear this. Are you ready? Both Marks hearing this again. God has some great things that will lift our hearts today if we will listen. These are really, really important things. They all thought they were ready. Peter earlier in John chapter 13 said, Lord, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, will you? They are on this night like, okay, we get everything you're saying. We got it now. And he's like, well, do you really? Let me tell you what's about to happen. You're going to all be scattered. You're going to run away in a little bit. And you're going to leave me all alone. So we have a tendency to kind of lose it at the times. And so let's learn from them that we never are to rely on our own strength. We are to rely on the strength that comes from God himself. So I want to talk first of all about how the words that Jesus had taught them in regard to how to pray were going to change for them. And so let's look at that, words of prayer. Everything's kind of centered around words. He's speaking these last words. And so I put everything together around the, the phrase words. Look at 23 and 24. If you would, read that with me again, and we'll make a few comments here that are important for us to see. So in that day, you will ask nothing of me, let me stop there. What does in that day mean? This is, what has he been talking about? The Spirit's going to come at Pentecost. So when the Holy Spirit comes, this is what he's referring to. So in that day, you will ask nothing of me. So truly, truly, or I'm telling you the truth, what I'm saying to you, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. So ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. So here's what i like to do. Just like to take a couple moments or minutes, whatever that is, moments or minutes, and let's see what Jesus is talking about here. Now, I want to take us back. We're not going to look at it. I want to take us back to Luke chapter 11. There's a day where Jesus is with the 12. He is praying. They are watching and listening to him pray. And when he says his amen to the Father, they ask him, Lord, will you teach us to pray Like you pray. And so if you remember, we call it the Lord's Prayer. And so Jesus said, okay, you want to learn how to pray? Here's a framework on how you ought to pray. And so he told them these words. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. At the end of that prayer, he taught them to pray. He didn't say this, what he says here. He didn't say and put in, in, in my name at the end of the prayer. So when he originally taught them to pray... He said, you pray acknowledging the Father, acknowledging your need for daily bread, acknowledging your need um, to be reminded to, to forgive others if you have been forgiven. And so he taught them that framework, but now he's telling them your prayer is going to change when the Holy Spirit comes. So let's, let's walk through this. So in that day when the Spirit comes, look at the next phrase in 23, you will ask nothing of me. So here's what was going on. So for three years, they walked with him. When they had a question, he's right there, and they could go, Hey, Lord, what about this? Hey, Lord, what about this thing? Hey, what about these people? There were times when he taught things, and we know that they came to him later saying, Hey, would you explain that parable to us that we didn't really understand it? So he was around them, and so anytime they needed to ask him a question, what could they do? They could ask him a question. But when he leaves, and the Spirit comes... He's not there and they're not going to be able to ask him a question and get an answer. So he's telling them, listen, in that day when the spirit comes, you're not going to be able to ask anything of me because I'm not going to be here. And so truly, truly, I say to you, in other words, that phrase just means this. And so I'm going to tell you the truth about something. So in that day when I am gone and the spirit has come, here's what I want to tell you the truth of is that you're going to begin to pray differently. When you pray, you're going to go directly to the Father. And when you go to the Father, you're going to go to the Father in the authority of my name. So when we talk about the name of Jesus, what are we talking about? We're talking about everything that's connected to his nature, who he is, and everything that he did. So we're talking about his worth, and we're talking about his work. So when we pray in Jesus' name, that also means this, that we have to pray in line with the same kind of way in which Jesus prayed that we would pray in in line with his name in the same kind of prayers that Jesus would pray so again 23 when the spirit comes in that day you're not going to be able to ask me anything cuz I'm going to be seated next to my father and so I want to tell you the truth here's how you're going to pray You're going to ask the Father, you're going to go to the Father, but you're going to go to the Father now in my name because I died, I rose, I ascended, and you will go to the Father with complete access to the Father based on the work that I have done for you, dying in your place, ripping the curtain open, providing you access to come directly to the Father. So they would have this privilege of speaking directly to the Father in Jesus' name. By the way... We have that privilege as well to go directly to the Father in the name of Jesus and to pray to Him. Jesus is the only one who can give this kind of authority that is here. And so again, I remind us that as we pray in line with the name and the nature and the worth and the the words of Jesus, we pray in line with all of that about who He is. And so our prayers line up with His nature and His work. And so we are to plead earnestly to the Father based on what Christ did for us on the cross. That his blood was shed for us, giving us a way to come in. All right, let's build on it. In that day when the Spirit comes, you're not going to ask anything of me because I'm not going to be here. So I want to tell you the truth that whatever you ask in that day when the Spirit comes, you're going to ask the Father in my name. And when you ask in line with my name and who I am and the words... What does it say there? He will give it to you. Now I want you to stop and think about how astounding that is. That he says when you pray... And I've given you access to come directly into the, to the very presence of the Father... To approach right up to the front step of the throne. And you can come and you can pour out your heart... Before God the Father in my name... And you are invited to come and you pray in line with my name and who I am and in line with God's words. And when our prayers are in line with the word of God and with the person and the work of Jesus, Jesus said the father is going to answer those kinds of prayers. He will give it to you. So we have to ask the question just real honestly this morning. So what maybe is wrong with our prayer life at times? Could it be that possibly our prayers are deeply centered on what our will is and not fully centered on what His will is? And so sometimes we want things and it doesn't mean that we're being selfish because some of the things that we want for the good of other people or even for the good in our marriage or our kids or whatever the case may be, they're not selfish, but we just must make sure that they line up with God because here's the reality this is a response question okay y'all ready either Jesus is blowing smoke with some words it's not really any substance or is he telling the truth here which one is it he's telling the truth so again I want you to think about the weight of that in that day you're not going to be able to ask me anything because I'm not going to be here But you will go to the Father and you, I'm telling you the truth, you're going to go to the Father and you're going to ask for things in line with my will. And here's what the Father's going to do sometimes or often. He's going to answer that kind of prayer because it's in line with the kind of prayer that I would pray and did pray. And you will ask and you will receive and then this blessing comes. You ever had a prayer answered? You ever really pleaded with God? God, will you Will you do this? Will you move, God? Will you will you do something about that? And God moves and does it. What what happens every single time? Is there not great joy? Great joy. And so Jesus says here, when you pray like this, and you pray like like Jesus would pray, and you come to the Father in the name of Jesus, based on the blood and righteousness of Christ, as we are invited to come, and you ask in line with all of that. The Father will give. So you ask and you will receive. And when you receive, you will have joy. That's why I know this to be true. That one of the most sorrowful people who ever walked on the earth was Jesus. With the burden that he carried. And one of the most joyful people at the same time was Jesus. Hebrews 12 tells us this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross scorning its shame so there is there is a prayer that jesus knew that he prayed to the father where the father he asked the father he did what the father wanted and the father gave him so that's first aspect words of prayer for them are going to change it wasn't just going to be our father Art in heaven now it was going to be abba father i'm coming to you in the name of your son jesus So let's look at the next, look at verse 25. In the future, the words that would be spoken would come to a, that they would come to a better understanding of the Father in a more clear way. So so let's read verse 25. So I've said these things to you in figures of speech, but the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. So let's just stop there for a second. What are these things? When he says, um, says I've said these things to you in figures of speech. So I think it's everything he taught over the last three years. I think it's everything he's taught on this night. Do y'all remember all the parables? He just, he talked about parables. He kind of gave these figures of speech about stuff. And sometimes they were like, okay, what do you mean? We don't know what you mean. And can you explain that a little bit more? So he, Jesus practiced that for three years, speaking at times in Parables. He would sometimes make statements about, I am the light of the world. And while they understood a little bit about that, sometimes they didn't really understand it. When he said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven, okay, conceptually he kind of got that. But it was a little veiled to them. They didn't really fully understand. There was a time back in John chapter 2, if you'll remember, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days. Was he talking about the literal temple? No, he wasn't. He was talking about his body. So he spoke sometimes in these these parables and other ways of speaking that was hidden, mainly to hide it from the religious leaders. But look what he says here. In that day, when the Spirit comes, the Spirit's not going to speak like I have taught at times and spoken. Everything's going to change everything's going to be direct, everything's going to be clear, you're going to understand it all. So it's true. Sometimes you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there'll be some things that Jesus says, and, and we're like, okay, what does that mean? And you've got to dig a little more. It's kind of veiled in the point of it, and so you have to look at it. But you read Acts all the way to Revelation, and it's just straightforward speaking. It's just really clear. So Jesus is sharing with these men on this last night, last words, last teaching man prayer is going to change for you. I taught you earlier how to pray, but now you're going to pray in my name and pray in the authority of my name based on my blood and my righteousness and that I've ripped I've ripped the curtain open so that you could come and have bold access and you will ask the Father in line with who I am and in line with the words of God and you'll ask, and you'll receive it. And when you receive it, you will have incredible joy. And now I want to tell you: in the days ahead, when the Spirit comes, and in that day when the Spirit comes, He's not going to. He's going to speak a little bit differently than the way I spoke. He's going to speak more directly, and things are going to be clearer for you. So the hour is coming, He says, when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. How did He do that? How did that happen? Well, if you remember the day of. Of the resurrection, two guys are heading to a city from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and he just joins them, and they're talking about everything that had happened over the weekend, and he walks with them, and he gets to a point where they're misunderstanding things, and he says, "Oh, oh, oh, foolish of heart, how slow you are to understand?" And on that afternoon walk, I would man, would I, I would love one time in my lifetime to have a walk like that with Jesus. He opened up the entire Old Testament and told these guys about it. And then later on, he disappears from them and he appears back in Jerusalem with the apostles. So he made things clearer moving forward from this moment in his post-resurrection appearances to them and he taught them. Over 40 days, he would meet with them. He would teach them. Secondly, when the Spirit came, the Spirit made everything clear. Now, I didn't do this earlier, but I want you to pretend that I did. Well, we did do this a while ago. Mark, did you pray a while ago? He did. Can anybody quote anything that Mark prayed a while ago? Anybody? Besides amen? Can anybody anybody quote anything? I want to show you how amazing the Bible is. Tomorrow, not tomorrow. Well, you can come tomorrow. But next week, John 17, Jesus prays. They're walking and Jesus is speaking. We can't remember what Mark even prayed a while ago. Watch how amazing the work of the Holy Spirit is. About 50 years after Jesus spoke these words on that Thursday night, the Spirit came to John and John remembered every word that Jesus spoke on that night. How? The Holy Spirit. Bringing to remembrance everything that jesus said so when the spirit came he reminded them of things that jesus taught this is another reason why we can trust the bible these were not men trying to piece together stuff these are men in whom the holy spirit was placing and writing and moving in them as they wrote the things that jesus said and then as you come to acts all the way through revelation You see this direct communication. So when the Spirit came, he made things more clearly. And so thirdly, we understand the things that Jesus said by all the letters and all of these things in the writing of the New Testament. So life transformation comes as the gospel is clearly understood. And so he shares with the 11 men, you're going to pray differently. It's going to be different. You're going to pray in the authority of my name. You're going to come to the Father. You're going to ask. You're going to ask in line with who I am. And who he is and what I've been, and the words I've taught you that I've gotten from him and I've shared with you. And when the spirit comes, he's going to remind you of these things. And you're going to pray and you're going to ask and you will receive. And when you receive, you will have unbelievable joy. But also want you to know this, that in the days ahead when the spirit comes, it won't be as I have taught at times in figures of speech. He will come and he's going to make everything understandable to you. And you will get it and you will understand it. And so this, this before us. You and I need to remember that we have an entire Old Testament and New Testament in our hands. They didn't, they didn't have this. They're living it in the moment. And he's speaking to them in figures of speech. And they're t- t- trying to process it. They didn't get to get up tomorrow morning on a Monday and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read John 16 to see if I can understand this. No, he's moved on and said new things. And so this is why the role of the Spirit is so important to bring us back into the heart of the Scripture. Let's look at the third thing this morning. Look at verse 26. So it's a little different than the first point. So in that day, again, same day, coming of the Spirit, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf this is fascinating and incredibly encouraging so there are under the umbrella of christianity denominations and groups who teach this you want to pray to god there's a prominent catholic theologian right now that that um if you're in Catholicism and you go to seminary, you read this guy's book and this is what he teaches. It's one of their main textbooks at, at um, Catholic seminaries. That if you want to come to God, that you have to come to Mary and Mary will approach her son and will petition the son for you based on your request. Other groups also will say this that you need a priest a man priest somebody like me with a collar, and I look kind of colory this morning but you got to come to somebody like me and then you say something to that priest and then that priest goes to God on your behalf is that what's taught here it's not what's taught here something glorious is taught here listen also to what Jesus is saying in the second part of 26 look at it it's after the word and And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. In other words, watch. Jesus is not saying, okay, when I go away, here's how prayer is going to work. You say things to me, and then I'm going to go to the Father, and I'll try to coax the Father to listen to what your request is. Now, I want to make clear, the New Testament clearly says in Romans and in Hebrews and in 1 John, that Jesus does something very unique for us. He intercedes for us. He speaks. He does speak to the Father. Well, he's at the right hand. So the, so the Father's here. He speaks to the Father on our behalf. Let me give you the evidence of that. Romans eight thirty Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God who indeed is interceding for us. Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, He, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him. Since He, Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them or for us. John, 1 John 2.1. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now watch what Jesus is saying. This is really important. This should impact our prayer life. This should impact our approach of the Father. So Jesus has died. In his body, in his flesh, he bore our sin. And when he hung on the cross, and he spoke those words, it is finished. Into your hands. I commit my spirit. In the temple. Just a little bit away. What happened to that big curtain? Covering the Holy of Holies. From top to bottom. What did it do? Just ripped in two. Why? Because the Holy of Holies was hanging on a piece of wood. Outside the city. And he had died. And when he died. In his flesh. Bearing our sin. He ripped open the curtain so that you and I could come as close to God the Father when we have faith in the Son as we want and plead our case and pour out our heart and worship Him and receive love and watch what He says here in that day when the Spirit comes and you pray in my name you're not praying to me and then I'm taking the request to the Father though He does that he does intercede. We just saw that. Listen to this. We get to go straight to the father and pray to him in the name of Jesus. So Jesus is not coaxing the father to listen to us. He's not giving a motivating speech. Okay, listen, that dope guy down there, you know, he just wrestles with stuff all the time. So, so that's not how this is. Jesus is telling them, when you pray, it's going to be uniquely different. You can go directly to the Father on your own. So yes, He is interceding for us. Praise His name that He's doing that. And yet, praise His name that people like you and I can come directly to Him. Does that move you today? Does that move anybody in the room today? That we're not trying to clean ourselves up and get to a state of perfection to be able to come and cry out, Abba, Father. Now, we, we, we come boldly to the throne based on the blood and righteousness of Jesus. And that allows us to draw near and to pour our hearts out. So, in that day, you're going to ask in my name, but I want you to know this. That I do not say to you that when you pray The words just come to me and then I have to tell them to the father. No, I'm going to speak on your behalf to the father, but you come to the father. And I don't know when the last time as you, you and I really came to the father. Why not today? Why not now? Come to a father who loves us and invites us to come talk. You see, Christ's followers have a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit as soon as salvation comes to our lives. And since we have a helper and an advocate, we always have access through the blood of Christ in Jesus' name to come to the Father. So let me share three things here. We'll move on to the next point. There is such great encouragement in these words. Listen to this. Jesus does speak our name directly to the Father. That's his great work of intercession. Christ followers can directly go to the Father in Jesus name and speak to the Father. Thirdly, Christ's finished work on the cross makes every bit of it possible. Every bit of it possible. So this is what it sounds like today. Abba, Father, most tender Father, who is unlike any earthly father. You are the the fullest perfection of any earthly father. Our deepest desires are what we want an earthly father to be like. They are you and you are even more than that. And so Abba, Father, I am here today because Jesus has given me access to come to you and to pray to you and to plead with you and to make my request known to you. It is all quite amazing that this is the invitation to us that we have complete access to the Father. I've told this story before. Let me just briefly tell it again because it's a great application here. My father was my high school principal. Okay for the most part, sometimes not okay. My father behind his desk in the office had one of those big, y'all remember the big, this will outdate all the children, but us older people. Do you remember the Mickey Mouse gumballs with the ears? You would pull the thing down and things would come out. He had one of those behind his desk full of M&Ms. Because I was his son, guess what I could do? I had access to his office. And so sometimes walking down the hallway. I, where nobody else in the school wanted to go into the principal's office. I wasn't so fearful of it. And I'd go in and I'd pull that lever. And get M&Ms and walk down the hallway. If you are born again. You have that kind of access and more. Not to a principal. To the eternal God who has never had a beginning and will never have an end. That's the access that we have. And we don't have access to M&Ms, though they're pretty awesome. Guess what we have access to? The, the eternal riches of the Son of God. That's what we have access to. That's what we have access to. So these pretty significant words Jesus is speaking You have this kind of access. So let me talk about this now. So the words now Jesus is going to speak establish a security for us and for the 11. Look at verse 27. So for the father himself loves you because you have loved me and I believe that I came from God. Now you got to put 26 and 27 together. So let's do that. So follow me there, 26 and 27. So in that day when the Spirit comes, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. And His point is, you can ask the Father on your own behalf through my name. For the Father, 27, for the Father Himself loves you because you have loved me. And have believed that I came from God. Got great news in the room this morning. I got some of the greatest news for everybody here today. Jesus loves us to the fullest extent of what he could love. He laid his life down. The Father loves you and I to the fullest extent that the Father can love us, love us that he gave his one and only son. And we are invited. Watch this. Jesus telling the 11, man, I want you to know this. Another reason you can come and ask for things in my name is because of this. Not just my blood and righteousness, which is enough, but you can come and ask because Abba Father loves you. You are loved by Him. So in 27, you come and ask this, for the Father Himself loves you. Why does the Father love us. What well, Jesus says two things there because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now I want to make something really clear. If I decide today I'm going to love Jesus, somebody, or just somebody, somebody decides I'm going to love Jesus greatly. They're not earning the Father's love. I want to remind us Romans chapter 5, verse 8. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he loved us before we came to faith. And we were able to come to faith in him and, and be loved by him because he first loved you and I. So Jesus has loved us to the end. Jesus tells them that the Father loves them to the end. The Father has loved them before they even have come into faith. He loves us before we even come into the faith. And so you and I have this incredible opportunity to love the Father, to walk with Him because the Father loved you and I first. And because the Father loved you and I first... We are able now to love Him back and to believe in Him and to have faith in Him. And so there is an unbelievable great security that has come to us in our lives because of this reality. His great outpouring of love for us is because we believe that Jesus is sent by the Father and this love becomes ours. One of the great concerns that we saw over the last couple of years and that even not just in that but at other times in our lives and other situations is addressed in 1 John chapter 4. I want you to listen to these words. If we are truly loved by the Father, which we are, listen to what John writes. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. When we understand love and that God loves us, what's what's shoved out of the door? Fear. Fear goes. And we know that we are loved in that reality as he brings a security to us in our lives. So the words that establish security in our faith is this, is that when we pray, we know that God loves us. And so as he loves, we can go to him and request things in line with the great name of Jesus. His great love and affection grants to us all of the riches of Jesus. He knows everything about us. This is one of those amazing things and still loves us. John 14, 21 says this, love the Son. Love the Son of God. And if we want to live in the most active, deep, amazing, and moving love in the world, it will come when we love the Son. Look at verse 28 now. I came from the Father, and I've come into the world, and now I'm leaving the world, and I'm going to the Father. Those of you who grew up in, the 70s and 80s and partially in the 90s, really the 80s and 90s, and you were in a youth group, you would have sung a song that's connected to this. I can't remember, I think it's called Lord I Lift Your Name on High, we used to sing it. And it talks about that you came from heaven to earth, from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, and Lord I Lift Your Name on High. This is what Jesus says. Let me tell you why... This salvation that has come to us, this love of God, is so important. Is this? Is this is heaven's love. This is heaven's salvation. It has its origins in heaven. And it came to the earth. It was established on the earth through the work of the one who came from heaven. And then he left the earth and he went to the sky. And he is there at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for us. And he is coming again. And so our great hope, the word's. Of the gospel bring this great hope that this salvation is of heaven to the earth and then from the earth back to heaven. And so again, Jesus says this to them. Why do these words bring such hope to us? Is because the Savior of our lives is from heaven. And therefore, secondly, the Savior of our lives brought heaven's presence to the world. He came down as God from heaven to the earth and then he leaves the earth and he goes back and then the coming of the spirit comes here. And when Jesus says these words, I came from the Father, I have come into the world and now I'm leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father, they looked at him and went, ah, why haven't you been talking like this all along? We understand what you're saying. We get it. So look at 29. Ah, Now you're speaking plainly and you're not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. Look what they say here. This is why we believe that you came from God. What made the difference? His omniscience. They recognize that he knows all things. Who knows all things? Who knows all things? Hello, who knows all things? God does. Jesus does. God God knows all things. So what do they recognize? They recognize they're in the presence of God. He knows all things. They get it. They understand it. And all through the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Bible affirms the value of faith and knowledge. But let's be honest. Sometimes we know things here, and they don't get to hear. They don't get to our feet. They don't get to our heart. So they, they get it and they believe it. And I think they they, they they know, they recognize this is God who's come down from heaven. And they're like, oh, okay. we, we get it. We get it. We've arrived. And then he says to them, have you? Let me tell you the truth, man. And he quotes Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, where it says that they will strike the shepherd And the sheep will flee. So in verse 31 he answered them. He said do you now believe? Behold the hour is coming. And indeed it has come. When you will be scattered. Each to his own home. And you will leave me alone. Let me stop there for a second. Do you notice what he says there? You'll go each to their home. Where did they go on Friday night? They went home. So some of them walked quite a ways. To go somewhere where They lived you know what's interesting? On Sunday night, where do you find them? Even Saturday night. They fled that night, but then they find themselves getting back together at some point in time during the weekend. Because Jesus appears to them. So sometimes in our life, we we, we understand and our faith gets weak and we don't follow through. So they affirm who he is. And so sometimes our words are, can be a bit hollow can be a bit hollow so Jesus says got two more things here he speaks words of absolute certainty so all my friends are going to leave me every one of them are going to flee but I'm not going to be alone his his certainty was this the father would not abandon him so at the end of verse 32 he says yet I'm not alone for the father is with me The love of the Father for the Son was absolutely certain in Christ's understanding. And though he knew those he loved best and he had chosen would lose heart on that night and they would flee and they would walk away, his greatest confidence rested in the Father. So when everybody else takes off and they go for the security of self, he knows that he would not be alone. So even as Jesus kisses him, even as they, they... Arrest him, even as they beat him, even as they put crown of thorns in his head, even as he carries his cross, he is not alone, and he knows that. That there wasn't a moment that the Father had abandoned him. And we will begin to see this next week in John 17, verse 4. He says, I have glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed so he knew the father wouldn't abandon him let's close with verse 33 if you would please read that with me again don't skip over the first one two three four five six seven words the esv says i have said these things to you a specific purpose i've said these things to you and here's the purpose That in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus speaks where the glad news is found and where the bad news is found. He speaks where the glad news is and where the bad news is one of the most important things that we need to know and we need to have we need to possess in our lives is the ability to know the truth to differentiate the truth from the lies because the world system lies are we in agreement about that? the world system in the hands of the enemy lies always doesn't tell the truth and we've seen this ever more in our day stuff we've been told not true About multiple, multiple things. So the system of the world is not about truth. It's not about God. It's not about righteousness. It's not about Christ. It's in the hand of the evil one. And so it lies. And it can only offer one thing. And so Jesus says here, listen, here's the reality. I have, listen, I've said all of these words over the past three years. I've said all of these words on this night. So that the words would drive you to me. All of this, the Father told me what to say. I heard what the Father said. I told you what the Father says. And in that day, I'm going to go away, and you're not going to remember this. I will go away. The Spirit will come. We talked about it a few weeks ago. He will guide you into all the truth. And so, all the things that you're going to forget about, the Spirit's going to bring to your remembrance, and you will need them because He He works in the realm of truth, He is the Spirit. Of truth, And so listen to Jesus' words here. Last teaching words to them. I have said all of the words of the Father to you for this purpose. These words for for this purpose. To drive you to me. And when you get to me, you will have peace. Now this word peace here is not the concern about what's happening in Europe right now. This word for peace here is not about absence of war. The word peace here means to be whole. To be restored. To be reconciled to God. So Jesus said, I've said all this stuff to you. All of these words, all of this teaching, all of these words. They were said to drive you to me. And when you come to me, you will find peace. He is the source of peace. Peace. Therefore, in a broken world and one where they would be hated, then their lives got to be connected to Jesus if they're going to be whole. And when you get to me, the words drive you to me. And When you get to me, you may have peace. I will make you whole in salvation. I offer peace. And then Jesus says these words in the world. Let me tell you what the world's like. We don't use this. Well, we use it. I don't know if we've ever really understood it. But let me, let me define for you what the word tribulation means. In the Greek, the word tribulation means intensified pressure. Let me tell you what you're going to find in the world. As a Christ follower. Ever escalating pressure on you to choose righteousness. And to go against the culture. And to go against the world system. And as you go against the world's system, it's not going to love you because you're not of this world because I've chosen you out of this world. Keep in mind, it's going to hate you. It hated me first. If they persecute you, me, they persecute you, They're going to persecute you. This is the reality and the world is just going to ever increase intensified pressure. And so I've told you all these things that as the intensified pressure continues to come to you, I've told you these words to drive you to me and when you get to me even in the midst of intensified pressure and you get to Jesus what do you get? Peace. Peace. You know we should have been over the last two years the greatest example in every culture of peace. Christians should have been. I'm not saying that we weren't but I'm just saying we should have been in a world that was so fearful if perfect love casts out fear then why were his people so fearful could it be that we didn't really know that Abba Father loves us and the world will continue to intensify pressure and intensify pressure Jesus said that and so I told you these words to get you to me and when you get to me I make you whole you find peace in me. In you know, then he says the word here. In the world you have tribulation and then he closes out 33. But you take heart, be encouraged, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. This Greek word here overcome is where we get our word Nike. Which means victor. He's the overcomer. He's greater than Nike shoes. He's the victor. He's Nike, not Nike God. He's the victor. He's overcome Satan. He's overcome every hatred of man in every generation. The world has been trying to get rid of Jesus for 2,000 years. Remember what he said in Matthew 16? the gates of hell will not prevail. Will not prevail. He is the victor over every false philosophy and every religion of the world. And so therefore, the one who is the source of all of life is speaking to us to drive us to him so that we would be whole, we would find peace, and that we would see. That in the midst of a world of intensified pressure, when I find Jesus, I find peace. And when I find Jesus, I find peace. And I find the victor. I find the one who has won. There is no philosophy. There is no religion. There's no way of the world that can lead to life, can lead to God, can lead to peace. So this calls us to be critical thinkers, to know the truth, to see the lies. And to know that the Word of God miraculously given to us through the inspiration of the Spirit and the writing of this book that has come to us called the Bible to drive us to Jesus. And when we get to Him, we are whole. And because He is overcome, guess what we do, get to do? We overcome. We overcome. So in First John chapter 5 verse 4 and 5, we will finish with this. For everyone who has been born of God, everybody who's in a relationship with God, everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world, that system that intensifies its pressure. Everyone is born of God, overcomes the intensified pressure. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. So we do that? No, no, we don't do that what our faith rests in does that so he says in verse 5 who is it that overcomes the world and its system and its lies and all of that except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God so we become overcomers where our faith rests and that Christ is the son of God this week this month next year God will give us a cup in life that will be sweet it will be a season of life where things are good and when God does that drink it with great great gratefulness and thankfulness there will be a time when God will make our cup a bit bitter Because we live in a world of intensified pressure. And when he makes our cup bitter and it's hard to drink and it's hard to deal with. Drink it in communion with him. Go to him. In the garden Jesus said three times. Father can this cup pass? But father it can't be my will. It's got to be your will. So nevertheless not my will but your will be done so in all of our lives he'll give us a sweet cup to drink and be incredibly grateful when that happens and the only moments of life when the cup of life is bitter and plead with him like Jesus did and drink it in communion a third century man was about to die so he took out a piece of paper and whatever you had back then or a scroll, animal skin whatever it was And he wrote his last words to a friend. This is what he wrote. It's a bad world. An incredibly bad world. But I've discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people. Who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. These people are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are Christians. And then he wrote these words, and I am one of them. I am one of them. There's a false teaching that pervades the Western church today that we're supposed to have comfort for the rest of our days <laughs> just just not there so he tells 11 men who were all going to lose their faith except for john but john would be deeply persecuted that the world's going to intensify its pressure upon god's people but i've told you all these things Because my word drives you to me. That's the purpose of God's word. To drive us to Jesus. And when the word drives us to Jesus. We are whole. There's peace. And so. I have some encouraging news this morning. The world is going to continue. To intensify its pressure. And as it does. You know what it does with God's people? It drives us. To the prince of peace. And the world's going to get more chaotic eventually. And there's people like this man who say, you know what? I'm his. And so do what you want to the body. You cannot take my soul. We are overcomers. Let's pray.